Welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon-Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. Happy Monday as you listen to this. Happy Friday as we record this. And we've got a special guest in studio with us today. And by in studio, I mean a conference room here in the lovely PMC office. Uh, <laughs> Steve, say hello. Hello. I'm Steve Green. I'm Steve Brune on the Twitters. And we brought Steve in today because uh, we, we Ben and I tried an experiment this week. And it's an experiment that Ben... That, Ben and I have never really done before, but it is a part of Steve's daily life. Mm-hmm. So basically, we all sat down this week to answer the question of how much TV do we actually watch in an average week? And this week was chosen pretty carefully. It's a pretty average week. Like, you know, neither neither Ben or I were traveling, neither Ben or I were had like some crazy, you know, massive deadline or anything. It was just kind of a week where we were going to come into the office and do stuff and then probably go to maybe the occasional screening or whatnot. But yeah, nothing, nothing exciting. A pretty average week. Would you agree with that assessment, Ben? Uh, I would with one caveat, which we can dig into later. I had a, I had much less to review this week. Oh, that's true. I didn't have as many like actual responsibilities, like things where I had to physically watch them and watch as many of them, if not all of them, uh, at once. But still, yes, uh, by most metrics, pretty average week. So, yeah, um, and yeah. Steve, was it an average week for you as well? Uh, not exactly. Um, I I just recently got back from a vacation, so it was a lot of TV catch up for me. Uh, I my numbers. 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 <laughs> I'm talking like I'm, like I'm some uh, athlete accruing stats or something. Uh, yeah, my numbers are probably a little skewed for this week, but um, I, as I've found in this job and in this crazy media life that we have, there really is no average week. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I did this in the first place is to see, to sort of track what weeks and what months I was listening to more podcasts or watching more TV or watching more movies or listening to more music. Uh, so I, I think, if anything, um, that there, what I've found is that there is no normal week. No, to, to clarify what you mean by this, what, yes. what, what both Ben and I have done for this week and what you can have done on a regular basis is literally log all the TV you watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a, so you literally do this all the time. Yes. So I should start off that, that this would not be a thing that I did if it were for Steven Soderbergh's yearly annual consumption tracker list that he posts every year and shames and inspires everyone at the same time. It's amazing. Uh, It's very fun to see, to to know when his films were in production and then to go back and actually see what he was watching and listening to and reading at that time. Like this summer, apparently Steven Soderbergh watched, what was it, 60 something episodes of Below Deck? I think I did the math and it was like 60 something episodes of, of Below Deck, maybe more. Yeah, and he watched like four seasons of Ab Fab while he was making Logan Lucky or something like that. Uh, it, it's it's very fun to, to see that. And, and so I, starting about four years ago, I started doing that for myself. And so I track uh, podcast episodes I listen to, TV shows that I watch, movies that I watch, albums that I listen to, books that I read, and live events that I go see. Now, Steve, we've been lucky enough to be around a number of people who've discovered that this is something that you do, mm-hmm. and the reactions have varied yes. wildly. Like, some people are kind of horrified mm-hmm. by thinking about how many numbers there are. Some people are really excited because they can dig into some specifics and, and see some stats and comparisons. 
Um, but first and foremost, before we, we dig into our own stats for this week, I just want to know what what sort of benefits have you called from this over the four years of you doing it? Like, how do you feel about it at this point, and what are you getting out of it? Benefits is a weird choice of words. <laughs> uh, if, if anything, I think it's made me realize how much of a goal-oriented person I can be sometimes. Uh, it, it, depending on how often I update it, I can see that some months I am in a position to break a record <laughs> in whatever category that might be. Right. Uh, That's so, an insane thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there have been some months where I've seen, where I've gotten to, you know, three weeks into the month and realized, like, oh, my podcast numbers are pretty high this month. Like, there's a chance I could, like, I could hit, like, 170 or some, you know, some crazy ungodly number. Uh, so, so yeah, so that's that's what I've realized about myself. Um, and then uh, it's, it's also been kind of a, a fun way to track evolutions in my job, evolutions in my life. I can I can look back at specific months from 2015 and see when I was, you know, uh, literally out of the country. You can see like the fact that I'm not watching movies. Um, and, and it's it's a it's a way to realize like my own personal um, uh, like what I value and what I insist on keeping a regular part of my life, regardless of these crazy changes. Uh, so, the, so the podcast numbers probably haven't changed that much uh, because it's it's yeah. become such a regular part of my everyday life. And so, seeing what sticks around and what fluctuates has has sort of opened up a little window into what I value in my pop culture daily life. Do you do you feel an absence in those months, like you know when you when you go on a trip or when you're just away from screens mm-hmm. a bit? Like, do you feel like you're missing out, or do you feel a little bit healthier for taking a break, or do you adjust your habits when you come back and say like, oh, maybe it's better if I watch a little bit less or a little bit more or whatnot? Yeah, I, I've I've definitely watched a, a a lot fewer movies in the last six or eight months of my life than I have in the three four years before that. And do I feel like I'm missing out? Yes. Do I feel like like there's a part of me that is missing that I will never get back? Not quite as much. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, so so, but yeah, and and we'll maybe talk about that a little bit later when we get to best thing next thing. But um, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I I I appreciate that this is something that I get to do as a job, and I, I really cherish and value that. Um, and and that's that's another thing is is sort of seeing especially since I've worked on the TV side, seeing those numbers change uh, and, and how they may have stayed the same. Um, I, I in, lo- in looking at my numbers uh, for this episode, I realized something that I hadn't realized before, that I watched the exact same number of TV episodes that I did in 2017 as I did in 2018. Oh, oh wow. Which was, uh, which, was, which was interesting to see because I wasn't technically on the TV team for the first couple of months of 2017. So... Uh, and oh, I think he this, caught you up fast. Well, I, I think this is something that we'll we'll kind of talk about is is uh, is there an optimum number? Uh, is is there an ideal number to get to in order to process all that TV has to offer? And is there a point past which you just stop retaining knowledge? <laughs> uh, because that's that's probably a very likely thing that happens. It's a yeah, it's an excellent question, and um, I believe this all began since you mentioned. You know, this being part of the job with Liz, you wondering, you know, like we get asked the question a lot. We get asked the question a lot. Of, of 
how how do you watch so much TV and how much TV do you watch and yeah. and variations on that same kind of theme. So before th- we go further, do you want to kick us off here and and give us a number here about what you did last week? Yeah, and I have I have I broke it down a couple of different ways, but I want to say like literally the conversation will go it will be we'll be talking to some PR rep. I've had it happen to me in interviews where like the person I'm interviewing will be like I'll maybe I'll mention a show and. Uh, I, I think the typical framework is I, I mention a show in passing and they're like, oh, I haven't seen it yet. And I'm like, that's fine. You can either make TV or watch TV. You can't do both, really. And then they're like, yeah, gosh, you must watch so much TV. Like, literally, that's how it's gone multiple times in my life. Yeah, and I, I love the the argument of you can't make TV and watch TV because it, it is usually true. And then there's people like Soderbergh who prove it not to be true because they're insane. Yeah. Sam Esmail apparently is pretty, it says he's not good about catching up, but he keeps up pretty well. I think he's <laughs> yeah. like, he's got, he's got like apparently like a good rhythm of he just watches like one thing every night. And right. That's all you need to do sometimes. But yes, I will kick it off and reveal. So uh, reveal that in, and this is a rough, I feel like this is, this isn't like as scientifically ruthlessly accurate as it could be. Uh, but per my spreadsheet, over the course of the last seven days, uh, up until this moment, literally this moment, uh, I was watching something before uh, we got done. Uh, I watched 75 episodes of various shows for a total uh, with a total of nearly 3,000 minutes, breaking down to 40, 50 hours, um, almost exactly 50 hours, uh, 49.7. Uh, so that's how much TV I watched. Um, can I just do say some that's, math here pretty quick? Hold that, on. That, that's, I mean that 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 literally is a full time job. Yeah. Um, also, well, I will I will specify though that this is the other part of my breakdown that I feel like is very important. A lot of these shows um, are you know some people listen to music. I will just put Game of Thrones on um, or whatever. What was your hourly total again? Uh, 49.7. 49. Yes. So I actually managed, I figured out a way to break this down so that I also have numbers on how many episodes of television were, did I actually like full on pay attention to? Like I hadn't, I hadn't seen them before. I was, I, maybe I had my phone in my hand so I could have, be looking at email occasionally, but I was actually full on paying attention to these shows. This is a smaller number. Um, the actual number, the total of ep- episodes of television I watched in the last seven days that I was genuinely paying attention to uh, comes to 22 episodes uh, at for a total of 765 minutes and a total of 12 hours. So really, that's nothing. Still a lot. <laughs> just, just so you know, it's the 50, the 49 yeah. number, that's like... A third of the week, like just the entire week. But I'm working on stuff. Like, but you are so sleeping, <laughs> like theoretically. <laughs> this is like there's not a lot of waking hours in which TV is not present. It, it doesn't seem. I mean, it, it's I mean, that's yeah. a lot. I mean, it's it, it again, like you know, uh, you know, when I'm working, like when I'm pounding, you know, pounding through email or so forth. I just have. Uh, the folks from Game of Thrones playing in the background. Uh, actually, a big portion of my viewing this week was uh, I was basically alternating between Game of Thrones and Veep, uh, which is an interesting combination. Doesn't do anything weird to your brain whatsoever. I am I am intimidated. It is a lot. Okay, Ben. What what, you, what was your total? Um, I didn't break it down passive and active because I didn't know if we could all come to terms with 
like an agreement on what exactly passive viewing is. There's definitely some of these that like I watched while I was doing dishes, but like yeah. again, it's I'm still very much paying attention to the show first. So um, I watched 11 different shows. Uh, I watched 32 episodes uh, for about 15 hours of, of content. Um, and again, this was this was a pretty standard week. Um, like only one of these was well, maybe it was a little lower. Only one of these was a screening. Um, mm-hmm. Only one of these was something that I was assigned to review like this week that I had to immediately watch. And that show and was that, one, that show was special. Yes, it was that special. Show, show was the shortest Netflix original series yet produced. Like yeah. the, the they're fifteen minute episodes on average. Yeah. Um. So yeah, even that number is is a little bit lower than normal. But uh, it also felt like a fairly a fairly healthy week of consumption. So, yeah. Um, that seems like a normal way to watch. I mean. I mean, what would you? What was your total? Fifteen. Fifteen hours, three minutes. Yeah, I mean that's not terribly far off from where I land if I discount like the things I fell asleep watching or was watching while I was working. Um, but yeah. All right, Steve. Let's hear it. Yeah. Uh, what's your total? I, I actually didn't uh, separate out hours. I can estimate it, but I'm at twenty-one. So I'm I'm right about where Liz is as far as her like actual engaged. Um, there are a couple episodes where I was kind of had it on the background while I was working on other things. Uh, but for the most part, those are episodes that I sat down and watched. Um, and that's from Saturday or from Sunday to today. So that's um, that's I feel like we're kind of at a similar area. Uh, for me, maybe a little bit less so because a lot of the shows I watched this week were half hours. So that would probably put it at like nine, maybe ten hours so far this week. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. No, yeah, and I, I, I feel good actually having these numbers in front of me now and having an awareness. Like, I think that's the, that's like the thing they tell you about dieting, is like the, the best way to start dieting is to just log everything you eat and become conscious of what you're eating. And then from there, you can kind of look at your behaviors and then change patterns. And you'll even just like realize, oh, like, like I think like my parents did this and they were one of the things they realized was, oh, when we go to eat Mexican food, we can cut out 500 calories by just not eating the tortilla chips when uh, when they get delivered. So, you know, I feel like that this kind of logging is at least healthy for having done it this one week. But does the does the logging make either of you feel like you should be dieting when it comes to TV? Like, should you be cutting back on your TV consumption or is this just part of of? the life that we've chosen to live. <laughs> well, I, th- I think it's hard because like like with calorie counting, you at least have a objective target uh, average number that you could conceivably start working towards. And I, I think maybe this is kind of helpful of, of right. this particular experiment of seeing, okay, if this is an average week, maybe we should kind of build a, a, a norm around this. Because like the thing I've noticed with my respective numbers is that I don't know if 75 episodes of TV in a month is a lot. I don't know if it's too much. I don't know. Um, my my biggest one, when I when I checked uh, before we recorded, the most that I ever watched in a single month was 139 last May. Good luck. And, and part of that was because I caught up on all of, or I rewatched all of Arrested Development. Which is like, by the way, those are like 22-minute episodes. It's That's an easy binge. It's an easy binge, but watching an entire season of a TV show in a day is not something I would ever recommend anyone doing. I've done it multiple times. I, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, but but yes, so so uh, if that, you know if 139 is my highest, like is is that 
is that insane? Is that is that a a ridiculously high number, or is that someone else's normal? Because you know, if you look at a at, at any TV critic, if they're trying to to stay in line with with what's going on and and to stay up to date with everything that's happening, right? You may have to do that every month just to have a decent footing on on what it is that's being out there. Yeah, and I think like a lot of critics do find themselves in that bubble. Um, ben, I actually have a question for you because. Uh, as, as someone I, who knows your viewing behavior uh, at work to a degree, how much how, how how much higher do you think your total would be if uh, baseball wasn't on? Wait, how much would it, <laughs> how much higher would it be? Yeah, like how much how, do you feel like you would have watched more stuff if uh, baseball if, if the baseball season wasn't underway? No, well, baseball wasn't part of this. No, no, I, I'm, no I'm not. I'm not saying you didn't log baseball, but if you hadn't, no, had I baseball. don't. I can't watch TV in the background. Okay, uh, TV is TV in the background is something like. I, I mean, I learned this the hard way in high school. Like I, I was, I was trying to watch TV while I do my homework, and I, I you can't, I, I can't think properly. I can't, I can't mm. write an essay while a TV show is going on because it's pulling you in one direction and and the other. Like your brain is pulling you in another, and that hurts my head literally. Um, so I, it, baseball is something that is comforting to me because I feel like I can keep it on in the background, literally, like it's on mute. Mm-hmm. There's, I don't listen to the announcers. Even that's too much, you know, for me to, to do something else while it's going on. So um, if we're including sports in, in television consumption, oh. which also would come back to uh, a point I'm going to make about some of the studies that are out there, um, I, my number would obviously be much higher. Right. Uh, but – no, like when and it's not baseball season when there's no sports going on, um, it doesn't really affect how much TV I watch because, I mean, there's plenty of times when I'll keep a game on in the background while I'm watching screeners, assuming that you know they're not screeners that <laughs> that demand your full attention. Like Veep, I can't have anything on in the background. Veep oh, God. is something where you have to like kind of keep pace with it because it's a mile a minute. Um, but you know, some kind of procedural or whatever. Like I could, I could easily, you know, watch. So that you're up to date with like plot and, and things, exactly. but you're not necessarily yeah. engaging with it on like craft. Yeah. And, when you, when I've come to terms with this is what the show is. Yes. I understand it, uh, and they're not going to be trying to push that understanding by any means. Uh, so when you're watching your stories, you when know, I'm you watching the stories. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like uh, it's interesting. Like I googled TV consumption just now to see kind of what the latest Nielsen study has said, and it says that on average. People are watching, like Americans are watching five hours and four minutes of television per day. So they're watching over 35 hours of television per week. And again, I think that obviously includes everything. That includes every time their TV is on. Right. Not necessarily every time they're, you know, paying strict attention to it. Not, you know, scripted television. You know, there's a lot of reality TV, a lot of news, a lot of sports, a lot of, you know, people probably have the Weather Channel on and that Mm -hmm. still counts as TV. Um, I do. I would never recommend watching 35 hours of television nope. a week. Nope. Uh, pretty much for anyone under any regard. Um, but again, like it's interesting to try to balance, uh, try to find a healthy balance of things when your job depends on it to some extent. Yeah. Um, it's. I, I've talked to other critics who have to very consciously separate themselves. You know, they're they're very happy to go on a weekend camping trip when they can because that literally detaches them from the rest of, of entertainment or they'll just go on walks and, and you know the walks will, will kind of break up the monotony of TV and, and allow them to process things in a different way. And I think it's important for everybody who really wants to have these serious conversations about television, who really wants to be engaged in the culture, 
to do that. It's not about consumption. It's not about how much can you watch. It's about how can you process them and understand them and then have a conversation about them uh, that's rewarding to you. So, Which ties into something that I noticed a lot when I was working on the film side. At film festivals, mm. most of them are set up to where if you wanted to, you could watch five or six films in a day. But once you get past that third or fourth one, you're not really processing anything anymore, yeah. especially if you're not breaking up with a doc or something to kind of, you know, if you're, if you're going from really harsh family drama to uh, improv indie comedy to uh, foreign film detailing something that happened in the 1960s to, like, inscrutable drama on what it means to be a human, and you're doing that all in the span of eight or nine hours, you're just you're you're not going to be able to process it in the way that the the creator intended, and then as just a normal human being processing information. And so I, I feel like even if you're binging one TV show, uh, a lot of shows are built to handle specific themes within specific episodes. Mm. So you know if you watch episodes two through five of a show that episode three is going to get buried under whatever you just ended up watching at the very end. Um, and and that, you know, that can only be productive to a certain end. You, yep. you, you may have that those four episodes to put in whatever log you may choose. Right. But, yeah, you, you, don't, you don't get the actual benefit of the, the show most times. And going back to kind of how we talk to creators, I mean, certain creators talk about writing and constructing their shows with the knowledge of how they're going to be released. So some of them will be like, hey, I know you know, we're going to release the first two episodes together, three episodes together, so they'll kind of construct them that way so that they understand that, so that people will absorb them in that fashion, even though you know, everybody kind of dictates their own schedule these days. But it doesn't stop people who are writing weekly shows from having to kind of construct the end of those episodes so that you'll want to come back in some way or at least you know, have a prominent takeaway from it so that you can absorb and then, you know, return in the following week. And it's one of the things that, you know, in the binge culture everybody talks about and something that you've heard me rant about as the old man shouting into the cloud um, from day one on this podcast in, in that, you know, <laughs> you have to take your time to process the episodes individually if it's a show that demands as much from you. So it's, it's a weird kind of thing to balance, especially when we're, as reporters and critics, given something, you know, and saying, hey, this is a full season of television, uh, you have a week, we're going to give you the screeners a week in advance, and you have to have the review up at the end of that week. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's not really how it was made to be cons constructed, but we have to kind of sort through that and get through it anyway. So it's it's a weird kind of twist on, on how we perceive something versus how the rest of the world might, um, and trying to bring those as close together as possible. Yeah. When Ben says he's literally been complaining about this since day one, he literally has been complaining about this since day one. The very first podcast we ever did was about <laughs> how he didn't think anyone should binge watch True Detective the way stand, I did. I stand by it. And, oh, and, of course you do. But um, I want to... <clears throat> I have learned nothing over the last four years. <laughs> I mean, I will say, actually, the, the phenomenon I find really interesting in this regard in terms of like people binging and people writing shows knowing that people are going to binge is the fact that... Uh, you know, we've been, I've been, you, there's a pattern, there's been a pattern emerging where there will be an episode 
like maybe say second or third from last uh, of a binging of a binge culture show that will flip the format in some degree. Like it'll be a flashback episode, or um, it'll play it'll play with the format in some specific regard. It'll focus on a different character mm-hmm. that than the, the previous previous episodes. Obviously, we're all thinking of Ozark right now. Actually, well. <laughs> Um, the bisexual is actually the one I was thinking of most important. Like that, oh, that, the that, better known bisexual, correct? Yes, yes. The We're far, the far more popular, and the far more popular, and arguably better. That shows great people. I mean, I don't know. They haven't. I don't even yeah. know if it's arguable. It's better. <laughs> you, don't, you haven't even seen the bisexual, seen and you're, like, yeah, I've seen like half of the first episode, and, it's, it's, <laughs> and you're like, you're prepared to say based of, in comparison to the 26 episodes of Ozark you've had to watch. Yeah, and I liked season one. Oh God, you you are that guy. But yeah, no, there's it's you're you're right on the money. Like there's things that even in, like as we watch these as critics, you know, you'll you'll start to discern that pattern of being like, oh, they drop this in here like very purposefully to kind of you know catch your attention again. Uh, if you've just been mowing through these, you know, if you've kind of caught onto the pattern of the show itself, and they don't want you to constantly rely on that pattern, they're going to upend it so that you're like, hey, I'm not just you know, all of these aren't blending together. Yeah. To to be fair. Um... <laughs> I, I, I will confess that with the bisexual, I think, like, I, I hit episode five. I was watching it. I was like, oh, okay. Like, wait, these all, people all seem 10 years. It sounds like <laughs> these people are 10 years younger than they're supposed to be. What's going on here? That person's back in that relationship. I thought they were broke. Oh. Like, yep. yep. And so I'm really have fun with it. I mean, yeah. You, uh, Ozark actually does. Like in, in what, that, what was the, okay. I, I, so can, Ozark can, has can, a yeah, kaleidoscope can, episode okay. in season one. Right. In which they, it is it is a flashback episode, but the flashback episode is deconstructed to the point where it's starting in one place and doesn't follow a linear narrative all the way through. Okay. It just breaks it up to kind of reveal the details that are most affecting to where you are in the journey of the season within the episode. So um, it's it's something in which a lot of people responded to it because it's a very noticeable look at me kind of episode, but it's one of those for me that actually worked pretty well. And I kind of was waiting for in season two and they never did it. And I was sad. So, um, so like there's, it's almost weird to say that we're expecting it at this point, but you know, you kind of do. Of course, we're leaving out one of the greatest TV episodes of 2017, an episode called 99 from a show called casual. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, casual. (laughs) Just, want, just wanted to put it out there. Casual, by the this way. This is what you want to remind him. people, is Emmy eligible? So <sighs> if you feel like voting on it, if you're a, if you're Do a your duty, Emmy member, voters. Do your duty. Slide that thing into the comedy category. It deserves oh, a nod in that last season. <sighs> in a just and perfect world. Ben says, oh, we should have Steve on the podcast. He can talk about this topic. Ben <laughs> says, sure, it would be just, we really, it's just Steve is a really a good expert on this topic. It's not because Steve, Ben wants Steve to orchestrate a casual pile on the way that I know will happen. Hey, listen, Steve's credentials cannot be questioned in this regard. The fact that he also has exquisite taste uh, in 90% of the time. Like, that's that's just a bonus. So. 911! 911! Yes, someone call 911 for Steve. Um, but no, so so I guess before we wrap up, because we've been going for a little bit now, yeah. um, are, there any, are there any prominent takeaways that you had from this week of logging? Um, anything that you want to share to the listeners in terms of that question that, like, you have been driven by, Liz, like that, the idea of, like, w- like how do you do it? 
what do you watch and and you know what they want to take away from it well I've got two notes one is that and I feel I don't know if I've talked about this but well you say that the reason the reason I feel comfortable watching having TV playing in the background uh, while I work uh, or you know on very on things that aren't like hardcore writing or whatnot is because uh, I grew up I, my elementary school experience was spent doing my homework in daycare so and I was often I especially in like the last couple of years, I was the oldest kid in daycare. And uh, so I got used to doing my homework uh, surrounded by screaming children uh, and learned to tune it out that way. So having like actual, like having patter in the background doesn't actually annoy me. In fact, I find it, actually, I find it helpful in terms of tuning out the world and focusing on what I need to get done. Uh, that being said, like uh, one thing I found myself watching, like I think it was like Tuesday night, I was flipping around. I think I was checking to see if uh, I was caught up on Twilight Zone on CBS All Access, and I was caught up. But then I saw that I, then I remembered that I hadn't finished watching Murphy Brown season one. And for some reason, I felt compelled to do that. And it turns out I had four episodes to watch. Uh, and we talked, you were talking about that question about like the TV diet and like, you know, does logging all this make me want to cut back a little bit? And, you know, even if with the, you know, commercial-free runtime of 22 minutes. I still spent 88 minutes of my life on Tuesday evening watching Murphy Brown. <laughs> and it's not like a bad show. It was inter- I, I'm glad I did it, actually, because there was some interesting stuff. But, I mean, I could have watched the first half of Meet Joe Black in that time. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, you know, uh, that's, it's an interesting, uh, it's, it's an, in- it's, it is, it is like a scary number to look at and be like, yep, 88 minutes of my life. Murphy Brown. And it wasn't even for an assignment. I wasn't going to write anything about Murphy Brown. That show's been um, off the air for a little bit. And like, But these things happen. I don't know. Candace appreciates it. Yeah, I'm sure Candace. I, I, I like Diane English. I, I, think she's, I, think she, I think she's got spunk. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, the thing I always take away from it is that uh, I, I would recommend people do this. Uh, if for no other reason than if you don't keep a uh, just a normal journal of things that happen to you on a daily basis, you'd be surprised how many times your brain will attach a memory to a specific TV episode or a specific movie or a specific album you listen to that, that when you combine everything from that day can put you back in the headspace. Um, I, 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 in addition to just keeping track of the actual numbers, I actually keep a list of the, the shows that I watch in the order that I watch them. And so that way... I can go back to a day from 2016 or 2017 and and I have a pretty good chance of remembering a few things that I did that day that I wouldn't have just normally. And, and I think that's that's valuable in its own way, even if you don't take away some bigger message of, you know, how much you watch or how important TV or film is to you. Just having that record and that archive, I think, is something that, that it has has value in it. Yeah, and to, to extend that even a little bit further, I'd say that even if you're not somebody who just, you know, is, is focused on the cultural conversation around TV, you're just somebody who finds out, you know, finds to enjoy TV a lot and watch a lot of it, I think this thing would be helpful, uh, first and foremost, to kind of identify which shows you feel good and bad about and which shows you might be able to cut uh, and, and look for those better shows because, as we've talked about a million times, as everybody knows, we're in the golden age of television. There's a lot of television out there. 
you want to watch, you know, you want to make the best choices for you and you want to know what you're being satisfied by and what's not. And then to go even further with that, if you do this and you can apply it that way, it's going to help you in the upcoming streaming wars when you have to start identifying literally the value of the shows in that you are going to have to pay for them in one way or another and make hard choices about which service am I going to subscribe to uh, when there's suddenly four or five that seem like you have to subscribe to all of them. Um, you know, some of them will be driven by other choices than just, you know, the best original series that they're offering. But when it comes down to looking at your list and saying, oh, I really am glad I watched that. I'm really glad, like, I took a lot away from that. I invested a lot of time in this and I feel like I was rewarded from it. It makes you kind of reassess that in a way and then you'll be able to look at it and say, hey, you know, a lot of these are available on Hulu. Maybe I should keep subscribing to Hulu or, you know man, I'm only watching Netflix. Should I try to branch out and see what the other people are offering? I mean, if you're not, you know, if you're into watching a lot of Netflix that you don't like, for instance. Um, but I think that there's going to be very practical reasons in which this could be helpful to you, even on a short-term basis of a week or two. Uh, so, yeah, give it a try. Yeah. Cool. And with that being said, Steve, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, the best thing I watched last week was probably, if I'm honest, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Uh, in... in trying to catch up with movies that I haven't seen in the past Movie uh, six six months or so. Um, Richard E. Grant was systematically robbed. Uh, I hope he gets another chance to play a role like that in the future. So good. Uh, but on the TV side, since this is nominally a TV podcast, uh, the best thing I watched was probably an, uh, an episode that if you're listening to this, the day it comes out actually airs tomorrow night, uh, and that is the second episode of Fosse Verdon. Uh, I know a lot of people had issues with the the debut episode in how it treats its two main characters uh but i would say if you if the first episode kind of left you cold continue watching that second episode uh the the story surrounding how damn yankees came to be uh is is really fascinating i think the interplay between the two of them is a lot stronger in that second episode than it is in the first good pick steve yeah Yeah. ben what was the best thing you watched last week look at that transition um, the best thing I watched last week is actually something I can't talk about. Uh, <laughs> it's under embargo, so I'm going to just stick with my repeated uh, air, not annual, like semi recurring, weekly, weekly. <laughs> it's weekly, Christ. Ben. It's weekly. It's Friday. I'm going home. Um, <laughs> my weekly reminder that you should be watching Veep and Better Things right now. Those are the best shows on television. Uh, I don't like technically I'm saying this having not seen the first episode of Game of Thrones spoiler alert guess what Veep and Better Things will still be the best shows <laughs> once Game of Thrones has officially begun um, and if you're watching Game of Thrones you have access to Veep so keep it up uh, Liz what was the best thing you watched last week well I'm pretty sure I'm not under embargo for this um, but I will say that I really uh, I, I got in my log I, I I watched two episodes of Gentleman Jack, uh, which mm. is the upcoming HBO period drama, and uh, I feel like HBO at least if it, it won't mind me saying I really enjoyed it. Like I think mm. that's a it's a interesting show. There's a really I, I think I I feel like a, one more episode I feel like I really have gotten to the core of what it's going to be about. Uh, but so far I'm really appreciating a lot of aspects of it, and I think. Uh, Saran Jones, I believe, is the star. She's great. It's a cool, fun thing. 
Uh, it's I a cool wait. show. I can't wait. It seems really fun. Yeah, it's 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 one. It's it's a very lively period drama, which I think is always very important. Uh, Steve, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, since there's a very good chance that I would not be on this podcast by the time the show premieres, uh, I full disclosure, I have not watched any episodes of this yet, but I am so in the bag for the show, and I am hoping against hope that it is the fine television show, it sure seems like it will be, and that's Chernobyl. Uh, uh. Uh, the, uh, I, I want to make sure that I have all five episodes before I can actually watch it, because uh, if last year's greatest TV show, which incidentally also happened to star Jared Harris, showed us anything, it's that if you are able to watch uh, all the episodes of the show within a relatively short time frame, uh, you get a lot of benefit from the period detail and the timing and the setting and the characterization. So I am I am hoping that Chernobyl for me is this year's The Terror. Uh, it may not, but at, from this vantage point, that is that is my hope. Great pick, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Just sticking with sticking with those big guns of yours. I you know I, I for life. He is I, on brand. I'm nothing if not consistent. <laughs> there it is. But uh, but how about you, Mr. Travers? Uh, I'm. Tentatively looking forward to bless this mess on ABC. Um, yeah. I, will, oh. I will take the time right now to say that that their billboards in Los Angeles are the worst billboards I have oh, no. seen in recent memory. I the, the the idea that they have Lake Bell and Dax Shepard for this ABC sitcom, and they have Dax Shepard holding up an ear of corn and staring into the sky in a relatively small kind of turned, kind of shadowed, kind of like, who is that? I can't really tell. I drove past. Um, I just, I don't understand why they're not utilizing their stars a little bit better. And the fact that, you know, Lake Bell is doing a sitcom right now is, is very exciting. Lake Bell is a, is a very talented uh, writer, director, and actress, and I hope she's able to contribute to this in, in some way uh, beyond just the performer side of it because she's so great. Um, but yeah, I don't. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, I've heard mixed things from colleagues. Uh, it's premiering Tuesday, so tomorrow, if you're listening to this as this episode comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I hope it's good. Also, like Bell directed Casual at one point, so yeah. high hopes again. Full circle. Full, full circle. Full circle. Liz, Lord. what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Oh, Game of Thrones. Ugh. Yeah, I'm trolling you with that. Besides, also it will have aired uh, by the time this episode drops. Uh, I actually started looking, thinking about, I put down Game of Thrones initially in my log, and then uh, I was like, oh, wait, actually, there are other things. Because uh, I don't think I can, I, I, I believe Fleabag is under embargo, but I'm not, I haven't watched any of it yet, so I'm very excited to watch Fleabag uh, season two, uh, which we finally got official screeners for, even though it's been airing in the UK, because the UK is jerks. Uh, and then I'm also, but I'm also going to shout out uh, Tales of the City made its mm. premiere at the San Francisco Film Festival, a San Francisco Film Festival. I'm not sure if it's the San Francisco Film Festival, uh, but it made its premiere this week, uh, which mean, which is a reminder to myself that I need to watch at least the first episode, maybe more, because it sounds really exciting. It's, of course, the continuation of a classic miniseries uh, from years, years back, and it brings back Laura Linney to the television screen where... And that's the only show I care about Laura Linney on. Wait, uh, I'm bringing her back to the television. She's been uh, there for a bit. Uh, do do we not remember uh, the episode of BoJack Horseman where she played herself last year? Oh, that oh, is I true. I remember. That is true. Yes, Laura Linney, BoJack Horseman star Laura Linney. Yes, <laughs> Laura Linney doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> no, she does. Really? Yeah. Okay. 
Laura Linney's role on Ozark is great. She does a great job with it. Sure. Also, I want to make sure I make a note to myself that I do really want to check out She-Ra at some point. Mm-hmm. Like, I have I used to love that franchise as a kid, and uh, it is literally the reason why I never learned how to swim until the age of 12, because uh, swimming lessons when I was five uh, conflicted with She-Ra, and uh, <laughs> I can be pretty stubborn when I really, really put my mind to it, it turns out. Uh, so my parents bailed on swimming lessons, and then eventually we're like, oh, we should probably make sure she doesn't die at sea at some point. Uh, but She-Ra wasn't airing at that point, so it's fine. Anyways, She-Ra, I should check that out. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard actually really good things about the way they've re, you know re, reinvented the franchise. And uh, I don't know if you'll read about She-Ra on IndieWire.com, but you'll probably read about all, some most of the shows we've talked about here today, and as well as other interviews, reviews, features, all the stuff you like. Make sure to listen to IndieWire's other wonderful podcasts, including the one that started it all, Screen Talk with Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn, uh, as well as, I mean... What's left to say about the genius <laughs> that is Chris O'Fault? I can I tell you know. that he is going to have some pretty epic guests. Like, not as epic as Chris O'Fault, but, you know, like, they're at least worthy of being in the same room as him. Uh, so make sure you're listening to the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast. Uh, otherwise, just, what are you doing? And, Steve, thanks so much for being on here with us. You can thanks, be found. Steve. This, yeah. is, this is always an unmitigated pleasure, and uh, I don't know if that's the I don't, should those two yeah, words go together? Yeah, mitigated uh, pleasure, yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yes, thank you, as always, for letting me uh, crash the party. Of course. Uh, you can find Steve on Twitter at Steve Bruin. Go Bruins. Go UCLA. Mm. Um, and you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. That's right. And better yet, you can find Liz at Lizlet. That's with an I and then an E. Correct. We will be back next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, as always, keep watching television. Mm-hmm.